a hard weekend to be here and kind of all, so I've been here throughout the week and uh, then was a passion fest on the weekend to come into a country and, and be here in the midst of such atrocity and grieving that happens around that and, and kind of being here as a speaker and communicator and poet and trying to speak into that is really difficult um, and so all every, pretty much everything I prepared from for this trip got thrown out the window and I've just been trying to kind of um, hold space and help us to reflect uh, on, on what has happened and where we're at and what life can look like from here. In, in coming to Blueprint tonight, I kind of was like, oh, I, I don't know what to say, God. And so I turned to the lectionary of all places. <laughs> Life in the lectionary. because I, I know that you guys go through the lectionary here. Is that right? Yeah. Some, some people here mostly go through the lectionary. Um, and you've been going through this, this seasonal guide. And so I thought we would actually begin and in, in then picking up the lectionary and going, well, I wonder what the verses are for today. Actually, it was really appropriate. Uh, and so I've kind of shaped... Um, shaped this, what I want to share today around these lectionary verses, just to reflect on them and what they have to say to us. And, and then we'll share some, I'll share just a, one poem at the end and we'll move into the Lord's Supper. Um, we might get the, can we get the verse up there? Uh, I might get, can I get someone else to read it that's not me? Do you want to jump up? That would be great. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to left you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you. It is the season of Lent, uh, the lead up to the death of Christ and Lent reminds us that death is real and that it often comes in violent ways but it also reminds us that Jesus's anecdote to the story of violence in our world is not avoidance neither is it one of fighting back his story is one of redemption of taking what is broken and and bringing restoration so in our passage today, Jesus is making his way down to Jerusalem. And as he goes, he's healing and he's delivering people from demons and he's caring for people and he's doing all the things that Jesus does. He's heading to the seat of power where both kings and priests have their home. And as he walks, some Pharisees come and warn him, Herod wants you dead, they tell him. And what is Jesus' response to the aggressor? Well, he faces it head on and he sends Herod the message. I'm just going to keep doing this. I'm just going to keep on doing these things that I've been doing till the third day. 
I'm going to do this regardless. I'm going to keep doing this, you fox. (laughs) What an image, hey? There's an image up here of a fox. In this passage, Jesus uses two symbols, symbols, symbols that... Help us to understand things. I'm a poet, so I love metaphors. Metaphors, symbols, they help us to understand things that are too hard to understand sometimes. Large things that are power, things that are, that are too abstract and conceptual to understand. Anyone who's been in workshops with me this week, there's a few people uh, would know about abstract and concrete language that I've been talking about. Jesus uses some concrete language, um, some imagery, two images to talk about things that are really hard to talk about. Two symbols, two metaphors, two pictures of familiar things for us to understand better what he's getting at. Jesus effectively puts a fox in the hen house. Herod the fox. A fox. Those who terrorize chickens. Those who kill the chickens. Foxes who use chickens for their own consumption. Jesus' farmhouse metaphor speaks to the reality of his day and to the present reality. The foxes that we face in political, social and economic arenas, those who eat up others, the less powerful. In his day, Herod, Herod Antipas, who was the son of Herod the Great, he fits that caricature well, this image well. It's the same Herod who who ordered the children of Bethlehem to be killed after the visit of the Magi to his court to tell him that a king of the Jews was to be born. It's the same Herod who beheads John the Baptist. This fox is a powerful and a fearful man who preys on the chickens, who is willing to tear apart the vulnerable. The system is Herod's savvy and manipulative reign, his power-sharing relationship with Rome, The corruption of taxes by the military and by the temple itself. The perpetual wealthy 1% who lack things the way they are. This is the problem. Those who consume from their place of power upon the weak and the vulnerable. See, Herod leans on political force and military might. A threat has been perceived and out of his fear he turns to violence So often the turn toward violence in our world, these foxes, those who turn to violence to quell their own fear, and so they go in and murder innocent souls in a mosque, these foxes. The military might and power of the USA and its barrage against the Middle East and against Muslims, these foxes. The racism of our political machine, these foxes, we see this again and again. One nation rises against another, power squashing those underneath it until there is a revolt. And then it's violence that tries to beget violence and it's violence on top of violence on top of violence. And this cycle of violence, of foxes, of violence continues in our world and it's always birthed out of fear. These foxes. Surely there must be another way. Surely there must be another way today. We find a second image that Jesus uses, another symbol that Jesus uses in this passage. Jesus comes to Jerusalem and he looks over the city and he weeps. He laments Jerusalem. 
He mourns Jerusalem who has rejected him. Jesus' heart is broken. Clearly it is, for we hear him crying out his heartache over Jerusalem, the holy city which had been the seat of God's presence since ancient times. Jerusalem, Jesus' lament, is rooted in the fact that Jerusalem has turned her back on his love. Now here's the thing, if we are made in the image of this God who weeps and laments, then God has created these emotions within us that we live with, our sorrow and our grief over the tragedy of this weekend, God has made us in his image, the God who also feels and suffers and feels the lament and the sorrow. So more than that, what being made in the image of this emotional God means is that there is nothing you can feel that God has not also felt. There is nothing you can feel that our God has not also felt. There is no pain and sorrow that you can feel that our God has not also felt. God is not some static something, something that doesn't change, something that is not moved. God feels in the depths of God's being the pain and the sorrow. When God looks down over this country, over Christchurch, God feels this sorrow and this pain that we feel. There is nothing that we can feel that God has not. God knows this grief. God knows your grief from this weekend, from whatever is happening in your life. God knows your loneliness, your doubt, you're broken, your pain, God has felt it all. And so we see here in this passage, in this time of violence and pain and loss, that Jesus' response is it's not to rush in and try to solve the problem, as we most often want to do. I was talking at Passion Fest this weekend about the the desire for me to just go in and solve the problem for people in our world really is just another white colonialist thing within me that wants to save the world. We don't have the answers to what the Muslim community needs. We don't have the answers to what, I don't have the answers to what the indigenous people of Australia need, to what African Americans in the USA need, to what Maori people here need. Me as a white fella male, I do not have the answers. So it's not our place to go in and try to solve the problem. It's our place to listen, to mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep, to listen. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jesus takes the time to lament, to cry and feel compassion for a city that is broken, for a city that is suffering and of violence. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and yet you are not willing. All he wants to be to them is a mother hen. She who gathers her chicks under her wings to protect them. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. A mother hen gathering her chicks under her wings 
in the face of the atrocity of violence in his day. How did Jesus respond? When he may be tempted to respond with fear, fleeing as the Pharisees recommended, Herod's after you, you better bugger off. Or or perhaps respond with fighting as, as Peter was proved to do again and again. Jesus' response is not one of hatred or animosity. It's not one of fear or polarization. It's not an entrenchment back into the security of our own social groupings. Jesus doesn't react by arming himself or rallying the troops. Instead, Jesus enters into this moment of lament, driven by compassion. Jesus' love for Jerusalem and all our inhabitants means the grief of what it meets. Jesus' love for Jerusalem and all her inhabitants meets the grief of what it means to reject the one whom God has sent. This mother hen image brings for us a reimagining of God, the mother God, feminine God, our mother God, all creatures of our God and Queen, because you're a good, good mother, our mother who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Why do we shy away from this? When we only describe God with the male language of king, of father, do we risk limiting our imagination of who God is? Therefore, neglecting this beautiful part of God, Mother God. In this moment, New Zealand needs Mother God. God is described as, in other passages, as a protective mother eagle in Deuteronomy as a fierce mother bear in Hosea, as a mother giving birth in Isaiah, as as a mother breastfeeding her child in Isaiah. Mother God. Can you hit next? I want to listen to, this is an audio thing, a poem called Mother God. Travail in the dark, stretched and torn, exposed in half-naked humiliation, subjected to indignities, for the sake of new life. To be a mother is to say, this is my body, broken for you. And in the next instant, in response to the created's primal hunger, this is my body, take and eat. To be a mother is to self-empty, to neither slumber nor sleep, so attuned you are to cries in the night, offering the comfort of yourself and assurances of the here. To be a mother is to weep over the fighting and exclusions and wounds your children inflict on one another, to long for reconciliation and brotherly love, and when all is said and done, to gather all parties offender and offended into the folds of your embrace and to whisper in their ears they are beloved. To be a mother is to be vulnerable, to be misunderstood, railed against, blamed. For the heartaches of the bewildered children who don't know where else to cast the angst they feel 
for your own existence is for placing you others. To be a mother is to hoist onto your hips those on whom your image is imprinted, bearing the burden of your weight, rejoicing in their returned affection, delighting in their wonder, pleading in the presence of their pain. To be a mother is to be accused of sentimentality one moment and injustice the next. To be a receiver of endless demands, absorber of perpetual complaints, reckoner of bottomless needs. To be a mother is to be an artist, a keeper of memories past, weaver of stories untold, visionary of lives living ahead. To be a mother is to be the first voice listened to and the first disregarded. To be a mender of broken creations and comforter of the distraught children whose hands rock them. To be a mother is to be a touchstone and a source, the stower of names, influencer of our names, life giver, life shaper, empath, healer, and original love. I wonder if, if you've always begun your prayers with our Father. Why don't you over the next little while begin them with our Mother? Mother God, if that offends you, have a think about why that might offend you. Mother God, what would it be, this beautiful image of God as Mother? And I don't want you to think of this femininity of God as soft, as in our patriarchal world we might be tempted to do. Mother is soft, yeah. But as any woman here would be able to tell you, and as any man who has watched his partner give birth would be able to tell you, woman is strong, woman is courage, woman is warrior. Jesus envisions Jerusalem as a brood of vulnerable chicks in need of their mother's protection and he longs to offer this same protection. Hens tend to be fiercely protective of their chicks. They will growl and shriek and puff out their feathers and peck at anyone or anything that might intrude no matter how much bigger their perpetrator might be. They try to be as intimidating as possible. Mother God fights for you, friends. Mother God fights for New Zealand. Mother God protects you no matter what you are going through. Mother God stands before you, stands between you and your persecutors. Jesus calls all of us into the security of God's love so that we might know we are safe as well. Jesus will stand in front of you, gather you under his wings, that you may feel that kind of protection of the fierce mother hen God that is ours. You know, this mother hen image also brings for us another reimagining of God, and that is the vulnerable God. A mother, Jesus describes his longing to parent the children of Jerusalem, to be a parent, as I discovered at the moment, Aidan James McKerrow, my first son, was born. He's now at school. Can you believe that? 
To be a parent is to be held hostage to fate and captive to destiny. It's like cutting a piece of your own heart out and setting it free in the world just to run around. There is no way you can protect your children from all the threats this life presents. And nor should you. And that not only leaves us parents profoundly vulnerable, but promises a level of suffering that you simply would not endure if you had not bound yourself so fully to your child. By your love for your child, you make yourself vulnerable to pain and suffering and heartache and heartbreak. That is vulnerability, a vulnerable mother God. And it's precisely this characteristic that Jesus embodies and by extension invites us to attribute to God that God becomes vulnerable to all the realities of human life by becoming one of and one with God's children through the Incarnation. The Incarnation is about God leaving His transcendence, His glory and becoming one with the blood and the muck and the spit and the violence of this world. See, you will do things for those you love that seem crazy. You will give up your life for your children. Like the hen would give up her life for her children. Jesus continues on to a Jerusalem and to the cross, not to prove himself fearless or a hero, not to make a sacrifice for sin to a judgmental God, not even to combat death and the devil. Rather, Jesus marches to Jerusalem and embraces the cross that awaits him there out of profound, enduring love for his children, a mother's fierce love that will stop at nothing, not even death, to protect her beloved children. To be vulnerable is a courageous thing. And to preach the vulnerability of the God we know best through manger and cross is a courageous thing. This vulnerable God who risks it all and invites us to do the same. To come open handed into the world, to give up our life for the sake of others, to give up our life for the sake of others. But friends, the hen is no match for the fox. Not really. The hen is, is no match for the fox. And yet that's the way of the gospel. It's always the way of love and sacrifice over power and domination. It's always courage and self-giving. It's always the willingness to stand up and protect others in the face of violence that threatens to take away so much. Jesus will stand in front of you so that you do not have to resort to the violence of the foxes. Jesus will do more than that. Jesus, like the mother hen, takes the violence of the foxes upon himself. And Jesus' compassion then extends even to his enemies. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. So how are we, in the face of religious differences, cultural upheaval, mass migration, communal crises over affordable housing, violent conflicts, how are we to live? Do we turn our faces back to Galilee and flee? Do we get violent and retaliate or do we embody the likeness of the Christ who lamented over the world's brokenness and was moved to compassion to resurrect all things that experience death and estrangement from God, Jesus, our mother hen, 
He takes the violence of this world upon his own body to protect us little chicks. His children, his body is torn by the foxes of this world and his flesh is torn and his blood is shed as he takes the violence upon himself. This is Jesus, our mother hen. This is Jesus, our mother hen. We're going to go into a time of communion. Scotty, do you want to jump up with me? I'm going to, I want to finish with a, a poem. It's some words that I wrote on the weekend, trying to reflect on some of this. I want to start there and, and then go into a poem that's from my book. For those of you who are at Passion Fest, this is how we began the Lord's Supper to, for this morning. But I want to do the same again, and I'll hand it over to Scotty, who will lead us in this time. There is a wound in this nation that bleeds. And there is a wound in our world, and it bleeds. And it's not that this tragedy was the first blow. This horror, it was not the cause of the bleeding. This was just an opening of a deep gash that always lies just below the surface. It is one that we have ignored, the torn apart arteries of our common decency, the rift of racist policies and a stigmatized people, the politics of fear, the fear the media generates, the people too often called terrorists now terrorized. It is not just now, they have been terrorized all over this world for way too long. There is a wound in our world and it bleeds. So when the wound is torn open once again as it is right now, may we see it and choose not to look away. This day, may we not look away. An open wound, and we have the chance to not cover over its depth with superficial platitudes. This is a day for deep reconciliation, a day for deep healing, to not look past and look over our Muslim brothers and sisters. It is a day to mourn with those who mourn and to weep with those who weep. It is a day to sit beside, to look the other in the eye, and to not look away, to know their name, to learn their story. If you do not have Muslim friends, it is time for this to change. It is time to listen, time to extend your hands. There is a wound in our world and it bleeds. So we come holding out our hands today. Reaching back down through the years with our hoping and our doubting and our tired believing and the faith of our knowing that way back then, way back when the curtain was torn and the last breath was taken and it was finished and the darkness came and the earth was broken and then the earth was remade, though today it barely seems as such. Still you wait for me. Still you wait for us. We come holding out our hands today, 
And we come hoping that grace covers the cut deep fractures and the ruptures of a shame we can't quite name. We've been trying to rid ourselves of our violence for so long and our silence is a song we stopped listening to so very long ago. Still you wait for me. Still you wait for us. I sit at your table. We gather around your table, shoulders touching, bodies knowing this giving, this receiving, this beginning, this blood, this bread. We stretch ourselves out, take skin and haul it across our bones. We pretend no one cares, but we are cast in the glare of light and loss and the scrape of fingernails, the common condition, this broken mass of us, the broken mass, our daily bread, our broken world, this broken body, blood, bread, mass, broken and you pour out your wine and it covers our sorrow and it washes the stain and somehow we remain, somehow we remain, still you wait for me, still you wait for us. The shit stinks and the sweat drips like drops of blood and he drinks the wine and they pierce his side and the water flows and it's not just messy, it is holy, it is not just broken, it is whole, it is not just blood, it is water, it is not just bread, it is body, it is not just human, it is divine, I am not just human, I am divine, taste the wine, break the bread, the shit stinks human sweating blood human this holy mass the holy mass of us we stretch ourselves out over the stench of our common humanity over our violence and it tastes like blood and shit and wine and water and bread our daily bread our broken bread this broken mass of us this holy mass of us this holy mass we come holy out our hands today and you pour out your wine and it covers our sorrow and it removes the stain till somehow we remain this broken body, this broken bread, this broken mass of us, this holy mass, this holy body. We come holding out our hands today. I'm holding out our hands today. God, we come holding out our hands today. Mother God, we come holding out our hands today. Mother God, we come holding out our hands today. Mother God, I come holding out my hands today. I'm holding out our hands today.